Welcome, and this is the Valley View Friends Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We are so glad that you are listening in today. As God's people, we are concerned with reaching and restoring hearts and homes with Jesus. If you want to learn more about our church, look us up on our website at valleyviewfriendschurch.org. Please subscribe to our podcast to always get the next episode. Ever have a scary moment that quickly turned out okay? Maybe it was something simple, something just uh, trivial, but then it got really good. Or maybe it was something really scary, and then, well, it resolved. It's good to get that sort of relief. Relief, like finding out that the mess you're in is fully covered under your insurance policy, or discovering that something you bought and thought you paid way too much for might be in trouble for. It was actually a good deal, and it was worth a lot more than what you paid for it, or, or finding something you thought you'd lost before you went out and bought a new one. <laughs> I bought a few things, after I've, and after I've purchased them, <laughs> I found the old one. We can find relief, and I've experienced this. When you have locked your keys in the car, and then you realize the window's open. That's a good moment right there. Oh, I can get those keys back. Those little moments of relief. When you find yourself in a jam, those little moments are wonderful. Relief is a breath of fresh air, a heavy load lifted off our shoulders. It's assurance that we shall get through. But all too often, we can find ourselves stuck with no relief in sight. And maybe you find yourself like that today. And you might feel the burden you're bearing is not something specific. Maybe it's something kind of nebulous, sort of big, like finding meaning or purpose. And you see no relief in sight for that, but you can find it today. True relief, true life, and true wholeness are found in Jesus alone and given by Jesus alone. What kind of relief is it? Well, it's relief as refreshing as ice-cold water on a hot day. Relief as uplifting as laughter with a friend. Relief as unburdening when someone joins you, turning a task that seemed impossible into a new accomplishment that you can be proud of. We can find that sort of relief in Jesus for our whole lives. Will you come to Jesus to find relief for your soul? Let's read the text in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. It reads like this. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, if you think about that text for a moment, and uh, maybe you're like me, you might find it to be a bit of a strange puzzle. Why would Jesus praise the Father for hiding himself from the wise? Why would the Father hide himself at all? How can we get to know God if no one knows the Father and the Son except each other and whoever Jesus reveals himself to? Why on earth does Jesus talk about a yoke? And how do we get relief from bearing the burden of a yoke? 
with all those questions, it can be tempting to say, you know what, Jesus, no thank you. I'll take a serving of verse 28 and I'll leave all the others behind in the buffet line. It's no wonder that verse 28 becomes an isolated favorite where it reads, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. We like those words. They're so comforting, but they're surrounded by such an enigma. That verse 28, all it can be put on a greeting card. It can be put on a plaque or posted in social media. How wonderful. But we cannot have the relief promised in verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. We cannot have that promise without the teaching that Jesus gives us in the rest of the text. So this is what Jesus is telling us. If you want relief, if you want a reprieve from the burden you're bearing, the source of relief, your source of relief matters, and that's important. The source of the relief matters. So the first thing I want you to hear today is this. Jesus is the one and only true source of relief in life. Verse 25 begins with Jesus praying to God the Father, praising Him for hiding these things from the wise and that they are revealed to children instead. You might be wondering, well, who might the wise be? In Jesus' day, it would have been the leaders of Israel, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees. These were the religious experts who were supposed to know how to please God and how to get close to God. They were experts in what was good and what was bad, what was holy and what was unholy. They could tell you just how to live to be righteous, but they were wrong. You cannot be your own source of relief your own source of goodness in life. But we try to be. So Jesus said, the Father is hidden from them. It's a problem when we continually try to work our way out of our problems and into relief. And when we do that, pride can become our source of relief. And that's what was happening with the wise. They were prided in the knowledge of how to get close to God, and their pride kept them from God. John Ruskin says this about pride. Pride is at the bottom of all great mistakes. I can relate to that. Thomas Merton says this. Pride makes us artificial and humility makes us real. Andrew Murray says this. Pride must die in you or nothing of heaven can live in you. And pride is no way to live. And we cannot be our own source of relief and life. We cannot live like the wise and say, I know the way. Only Jesus is the source of relief. This is why he spends so much time talking about the Father being hidden and that only the Son, Jesus, can reveal the Father. He's telling you to stop spinning your wheels looking for all these different ways for relief and to look for Jesus, that only he can bring relief. We see this all over the Gospels in verses like John 14, verse 6, where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, some people don't like it when Jesus says he's the only way. They don't like it when they hear that the Father's hidden and Jesus is the only one that can reveal. They feel like Jesus is keeping people out, away from God and away from heaven. This is not Jesus making heaven some exclusive club, but rather he's calling out to us, trying to show us the right way in a world full of dangerous ways, much like a lighthouse guiding a ship through safe waters. There's a lot of dangerous paths, but one right one. And Jesus is crying out, I can show you the way. Know that we are beginning to see that Jesus is the one and only true 
source of relief. That's what he's trying to get us to do in this passage, to get us to begin to see. We need to know that he's the only true source of relief in life, and we need to come to him to receive relief, relief and rest. This is then, this then is when we receive another important piece of information. With true relief comes a new burden. Most of us want relief, but we're not thinking about what relief requires. We want relief that Jesus offers. We want it. We say, Lord, Lord, make me happy. Take this burden away. But we don't want it with the yoke that he gives. We say, I want the promise of heaven. I want happiness. I want relief. But we only have thought about the good promises instead of what relief actually requires. This is why Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Real life and relief come when we take upon ourselves the yoke and the burden of Jesus. What's that mean? Jesus isn't demanding some sort of strange trade. He's not exacting payment. He's telling us relief comes through him. And it must be maintained by him. Let's look at the word yoke, and I think you'll begin to see what I mean. It's not just a momentary release, but it's something that happens over and over and over. The idea of putting a yoke on to get relief is not something that ever made a lot of sense to me. When as a little kid, I remember hearing this passage going, I don't like this idea. I would picture oxen wearing yoke or horses. You put yokes on livestock, on beasts of burden. Is Jesus calling me livestock? I don't like that idea. Here's what you need to know about the yoke of Christ. First, a yoke is a tool, not a prison. I didn't like that idea of a yoke. I would picture that wooden bar placed over an oxen or a horse, and I'd picture it placed over my shoulders and then attached around my neck, something that restrained me. Perhaps we picture something more like stocks from the olden days and medieval times, a way of imprisoning a person in the town square and they get fruit and vegetables thrown at them. Jesus is not talking about being locked in a stock or imprisonment. He's talking about a yoke, a tool, a device that allows you to handle tasks and loads that are far greater than you can imagine. Without a yoke, we cannot use oxen to plow a field, and people use yokes all the time, a wooden stretcher placed across the shoulders to bear a heavier load over a longer distance than you could with just your hands. Jesus gives us relief by giving us a yoke to best bear our burdens, a tool to face the trials of life. A second thing that we learn about this yoke is that Jesus gives us the right tool to bear our burdens. The right tool makes all the difference. You ever try to turn a screw with your fingernail or, or pound a nail with a stone or, uh, uh, sometimes we try to, I've seen people pound a nail with a pot. You can get the job done, but the right tool makes it much easier. And Jesus gives us the right tool, a yoke, the right yoke even, himself. Because we can make pride our yoke. We can make sin a yoke. In fact, sin is less of a yoke and more of a prison like those stocks I was talking about. Trying to earn ourselves into heaven by proving how good we are. That's an awful yoke to try to bear. That's an awful tool to use to try to get through life. Galatians 5.1 says this, 
It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Meaning the I will do it myself. I'll prove how good I am. Stop trying to fix your life with a bunch of makeshift tools. Try the yoke of Christ. You will find yourself better equipped than you could ever imagine to manage the troubles of life. And the third thing I would say about Jesus' yoke is that his yoke is custom made for you. One detail we need to see is that Jesus tells us that his yokes are easy. I've always wondered, what does it mean when Jesus says, my yoke is easy? Because I would think that using a yoke is never easy. The Greek actually means that his yokes fit well. Jesus is telling us that his yokes fit well. Well, All right, now why is that helpful? When a yoke was made, it would first be rough cut. Uh, You could picture a carpenter. No irony lost there with Jesus being a carpenter. A carpenter cutting out many yokes at once and then storing them away. And then when a farmer wanted to purchase a yoke for his ox, that rough cut yoke would then be placed on the ox and then adjusted, recut, and recarved to fit that ox specifically. That way, it was a perfect fit on the ox's shoulders. It was smooth and comfortable and could be worn for long hours, getting the best work out of the animal without stressing or hurting it. Yokes were a custom-made item. And Jesus' yoke is custom-made for you. And he was a carpenter. He should know how to make a good yoke. He gives you a custom tool, perfect for all that you will face in life, so that you can accomplish good work instead of floundering. Last thing I'll say about our passage today is Jesus also mentioned not just a yoke, but a burden, that his burden is light. And that always troubled me too. Why, why Jesus, are you going to bring me relief by putting a burden on me? When does a burden become a relief? A burden is a relief when it produces good in its result. Like labor that produces a better life. Like exercise producing fitness in a person. Like yard work producing a beautiful garden. Like a career producing a better life for you and your loved ones. Like a job well done leaving you satisfied over your skill and abilities. Jesus gives us a burden for our benefit. And maybe perhaps to explain it a little more comes an illustration from Charles Spurgeon. He tells a story about his childhood. He says, when we were boys... We have sometimes gathered around our father's fire in the winter time, and we almost sat on it, yet we could not get warm. We rubbed our chilled fingers, but they still kept blue. At length, our father wisely turned us out of doors and told us to go to work. And after some healthy pastime, we soon came in with limbs no longer numbed. The blood was circulated, and what fire could not do, exercise soon accomplished. When you're overwhelmed by life... Shoulder the burden of Christ. Take up obedience to God's word. Take up the practice of prayer. Live in submission to Christ. Before you know it, the terrible burden you were facing will become easier to carry because you've been exercised and strengthened by the light and easy burden of Jesus. So hear the call of Jesus again. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Will you today seek Jesus for relief? Will you submit 
and take his yoke upon you. Let us pray. Lord, I pray for the person listening now who is under heavy burden. Give them your rest. Jesus, place your yoke upon us so that we may be best equipped for the challenges of life and that we may accomplish good work for your kingdom. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go with Jesus.